that's that's good that's good it's, that's our opening i think <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord we should not do that <laughs> We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. Yeah, we try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's <laughs> mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. <laughs> I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And it's great to have you with us. Hello. Welcome, Sipsters. How's it going? How are you? How are, no, how are you? No, no, no. How are you? I'm asking the Sipsters mom. Oh. (laughs) I didn't know I was in the middle of your conversation with someone else. This is an A-B conversation. (laughs) See your way out of it. Mom. (laughs) That's a good one, Anna. (laughs) I stole it unabashedly from your coming culture. Out of the box. (laughs) Fighting. I like that. <laughs> Coming out of the out of the corner swinging or whatever <laughs> boxing people do. So what episode are we on anyway? What number are we? 41. 41. 41. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. <laughs> you didn't think we would make it this long? <laughs> and they said we wouldn't laugh. You said we would last. <laughs> I did. I still say that almost every week. <laughs> We're not going to last. Oh this my isn't going to last. <laughs> So when we get to a whole year, we're gonna have to have a big, big party, big hootenanny. Maybe that'll be our first live show. <gasps> Tweet us if you're interested in the live show, Freddie and Sips Pod on Twitter. So explain to me in layman's terms how that will work. Like we go somewhere, we we go, we invite our, we do an episode, mm-hmm. but we're sitting on a stage holding mics. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh, that scares the <laughs> crap out of me. No, it doesn't. You're such a liar. <laughs> You're such a liar. You would thrive on that environment. <laughs> Don't lie just because we have guests. <laughs> you always lie in front of our you guests. You always lie in front of our guests. This is not how she really is when no one's here. <laughs> Gee, I would hate that. Wow. Oh, I oh, hate attention. I just hate attention so much. I hate being on stage. Oh, no. It's please painful. don't clap for me a whole lot. Oh, oh a standing ovation. Oh, oh that no, hurts please. me. Oh, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> so then, like, do the people who come, they get to, like, have drinks and stuff, I hope? Because yeah, they're not going to just be sitting there. We should there. make a drink. We should have a drink just for that. We should have the Freudian sip. <gasps> we have to come up with but that. Yes, we do. Before now our, that I've said that, yeah, that's be- in the universe. Okay. You put it out there. You create, you vodka spoke it, so now it is. We still have whipped cream vodka in my freezer from that one episode. What would whipped cream vodka and Bailey's taste like together? A heaven. Like you I think it died and went to heaven. Mm-hmm. And it would get you shwasted, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of just sipping on our Baileys up. today. We're just sipping. Yes. Because we already did our drink. We already did our drink. I. Uh, it will be on Instagram if you would like to see a picture of it. It's called a brain hemorrhage. It looks disgusting. It does look way. disgusting. It's actually a shot. Uh, we put it in taller glasses for the sake of the picture, and that was probably a bad idea. <laughs> but And therefore it was several shots. It's meant to be assembled in a shot glass, <laughs> but you put peach schnapps like two-thirds of the way up the glass. And then you put a dash of Bailey's in and it congeals. Ooh, it really does. It looks like a brain. Mm-hmm. And then you put a splash of grenadine to make it look all bloody. I'll spooky. <laughs> we could have done that during spooky. You could, I, I did do it for a Halloween party once. Ah. I did brain hemorrhage shots for everyone. But it but it fits for what we're going to talk about yes. today in a way, which we'll talk about in a minute. But did we miss anything? Because I know I jumped. I don't. I know you don't like when I jump I, and you have anything that I you need to pre-roll. I don't know if we, we were going to talk about like how lazy we're being this week. Uh, like I'm never lazy. I, again, lying to our guests. <laughs> this is... <laughs> 
No, we were going to... It's gonna, very important to be authentic. We were going to talk about Kohlberg's moral development mm, stages. Mm. And then I was like, Mom, he was after Piaget, who's another developmental psychologist, mm-hmm. and we should probably do him first. And he's a lot more work. So Mom's like, what can we do that's easy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we chose something a little easier, but we will get to the moral development stuff because we are both very interested in that. Just, we're both very moral. We're both very moral. <laughs> we're both very interested and interesting. And we're both very, very tired <laughs> this week. And that's the most important thing. We've had a hard in week. choosing an Sipsters. episode topic. Sipsters, how was your week? Did you have a hard week this really? week? Really, how, how was your week? We want to yeah. hear. We'll We'd wait. like to know. We'll wait. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Mm. I'm listening. Oh. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Ooh. You oh. go, girl. Oh, yay. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> You can just play that back and pretend like we're listening to you and fill in your own stuff. Okay. So we're doing a topic that's semi-easy, but pretty important, kind of fun, kind of relatable, something that we can all think about. I think of this as like a potpourri episode. Oh, yeah. Like kind kind of a fun fact episode. A potpourri episode in our journey for self-awareness. Yes. So what are we talking about? (laughs) <laughs> you forgot. Um, well, I don't know how you want to how you want to specifically about IQ about intelligence. Yeah. Yes. We're going to talk about specifically IQ briefly, right? And then we'll talk about today also kind of about multiple intelligences. Too, yes, we're kind of going to do a general overview of intelligence, and then maybe mm-hmm. later in another episode we will talk about specific intelligence tests that we use, assessments that we use for intelligence testing. I don't think we're going to go into many of those today. I mean, I definitely have a little bit about some of them but so sipsters when somebody asks you or someone is talking about iq and about intelligence how do you feel about that are you a person who sits there and thinks we do have to stop addressing hmm. the listeners as if they are hmm. talking to us right now oh okay <laughs> oh that was the rest is of that the like episode some kind of I have to... new rule we got what it's the first time we're doing it so i guess it is <laughs> technically no. No, well, well, we did. We we'll, the pausing and waiting for the reaction is definitely That's new. True. But we do address them like all the whole time. That's tr- that is what a podcast is. Is it? I not? guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> it's like we're sitting in their living room having some brain shots. With brain them. What shots. are they called? Brain hemorrhage shots. Brain hemorrhage shots. Oh, <laughs> that sounds horrible. And uh, enjoying some information. Some drinks and some information. Right. And drinking in the information. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. Okay, so do you want to start us off? You want to start the ball rolling? Yes. I'm just going to sit here and drink my Baileys while you talk about IQ. Okay, I'm going to tell us about what IQ stands for. Do you know what it stands for? Intelligence quotient. Good job, Mom. And Baileys. (laughs) Featured guest Baileys. Baileys was in the mouth. (laughs) Yes, it stands for intelligence quotient. It was coined by the psychologist William Stern for uh, the German term intelligence quotient <laughs> intelligence it's all quotient. one word it's i n t e l l i g e n z q u o t i e n t very german word that quotient. squish two words together and call it a word but it was his term for scoring uh intelligence tests at the university of breslau he uh and he he talked about it in a 1912 book and i looked a little bit into william willie Stern Willie. Wilhelm. William Stern. And he was actually pretty influential in the area of child development. He and his wife kept meticulous journals about the development of their three children, Hmm. like the lives of their three kids. And then Willie used this to write a bunch of books about child psychology. Wow. Nothing like using your own kids for... It's a longitudinal study. (laughs) And I made them. Actually kind of a good idea. Yeah. So good job, Willie. I should have done that with you and Gabe. Like you didn't. Just in your head. You just didn't write it down. (laughs) It's not science unless you write it down. I learned that from Mythbusters. But to lay some framework about IQ in general, IQ has historically been obtained by finding a person's mental age, which is determined by an intelligence test, which there are many. There are a few that we use more specifically now. And then dividing the mental age by the chronological age of a person. And then you multiply the result by 100 for reasons. I don't know those reasons. <laughs> science. science. Science reasons. So basically, if you take this test when you're 20 years old, 
and the result comes back that you have the mental age of a 30-year-old, then you divide 30 by 2 and you get 1.5. So your IQ is 150. Mm-hmm. So that means if you take it when you're younger, you're probably going to get a higher score. Like realistically, a five for a five-year-old to get a score of 150, they would have to take the intelligence test and score a mental age of seven and a half. But the way that the tests are supposedly designed is that your IQ should stay somewhat constant. Is that correct? Because even though you gain knowledge, your ability to think stays the same. Is that what it measures? Honestly, I, I, I'm... General I'm, intelligence. I'm not joking. I really didn't look much mm-hmm. into the specific tests and how mm-hmm. they look. I just researched intelligence. Well, when we, <laughs> when we go back to the testing of the IQ, we'll talk more okay. about that. How's that? That sounds good. So median, but yes, median raw IQ score is 100. That's what mm-hmm. they based it on. Right. So so basically, if your mental age is your chronological age. I mean, that was the ideal of the how the scoring worked. Right. And then there are standard deviations, which is a statistic thing. <laughs> ah! I know. We do need to probably do an episode about statistics. So we people, keep saying that, don't we? Yeah, we're avoiding it because it's awful. I know because we don't particularly we don't like do it. it. Basically, no. when you look at statistics, results tend to fall in a bell curve. We've talked about this a little bit before. But when you look at a graph, if it looks like a, a hill... Mm-hmm. That's a bell curve. Mm-hmm. And that means that the majority of scores fall in the middle. And mm-hmm. then it kind of tapers off as it goes down. And so that means that the majority of answers are in the center. And then like one standard deviation up and one standard deviation down. Mm-hmm. And so about two-thirds of people fall in this range. Mm-hmm. So with IQ, the standard deviation is 15. So about two-thirds of people fall between 85 and 115 for their IQ. About 2.5% of the population scores above 130 or below 70. Mm-hmm. So that's the very end of the bell curve where not mm-hmm. many scores are. You did a really good job explaining that without actual visuals because it's Thanks. much easier if you see it. Yeah, if you look at a graph. Yeah. If you look up like a standard deviation graph, you'll right. be like, ah. So if you hear that, what Anna just explained, and you think, oh, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to see that. Definitely look up a That's picture of it. That's interesting. I love statistics. Oh, woo. <laughs> <laughs> those numbers. Ooh, those numbers. Did a good job explaining it, though. Thanks. What's up? What's thanks, up? thanks, thanks, thank you. Can you give me more berries? I would. I would you. while you talk. I'm going to give you a brief history of IQ tests while you give me some more booze. So before IQ tests were developed, people attempted to classify other people into smartness categories by observing their behavior. And actually, this is still important for, thank you, for validating IQ test scores, basically to make sure the IQ test score matches up with how the person acts. Uh, An English statistician named Francis Galton was the first one to try to quantify and standardize the rating of intelligence. He thought that intelligence was mostly hereditary, so he was like, okay, there's probably a correlation between intelligence and other things we can observe, like reflexes and head size. (laughs) (laughs) If you got a big head, it means you got a lot of brains. We're just going a little bit into phrenology territory. (laughs) We talked about phrenology. We did. When was that? Do you remember? You always go and you go, and then you know. That's the sound effect. Keep making the noise and see how many noises it takes you until I find the answer. (laughs) Anna's going on her computer right now. (laughs) (laughs) Messed up my whole document. (laughs) She just did it on the Okay. That doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't have the same sound. You're uh, right. It's not 27. Authentic. Episode 27. You are so good, Anna Marie. Gosh, you're smart. If that guy was studying you, he would say, hmm, <laughs> you got a big old woman, head. This woman just wanted to look something up on her computer, so she pounded on the keyboard for several <laughs> seconds. She must be a genius. She's a genius. <laughs> so... so Galton set up a mental test center in 1882 to look for these correlations, and he didn't find any. (laughs) Never mind. So he's like, yeah, basically, he's like, fine, I didn't want to find him anyway. (laughs) He, like, gave up. I put my whole life into this, but never mind. (laughs) This is only my life's work, but peace out or whatever. Yeah, he was, he rage quit. He rage quit research. 
So that's a bummer when that yeah. happens. <laughs> I put my whole Hate life it when in. that happens. <laughs> Your whole life's work gets abolished because you could you were wrong. Because yeah, no. Because you were wrong. <laughs> so in 1905, some dudes named Alfred Benet, which you may mm-hmm. recognize, uh, Victor Henri and Theodore Simon created the Benet-Simon intelligence test, which mostly focused on verbal ability. And this is where the mental age thing actually came from, but it was less specific. It was more like benchmarks. Mm. Um, So it was more like if you performed like the majority of other people your age, you were at that mental age. Or if you performed at the mental age of that group, you were in that mental age. Mm. For example, a six-year-old child who passed all the tasks, usually passed by six-year-olds, but nothing beyond, would have a mental age that matched his chronological age, which was six. So it was a little different than what we have now. And I'm not going to go into this too much because I do think we will probably someday do a follow-up where we talk about various IQ tests. I but agree. a psychologist named Lewis Terman, who Harlow studied under. <gasps> Monkey Man. In episode 35. <laughs> episode 35. I'm so impressed. Revised the Binet-Simon scale and eventually released it as the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scales, which was huge. It was the biggest intelligence test we had for a long time in the psychology right. community. Now, 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 now we are entering the G spot. Woo! Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, that's not what they called it. No, they should have. They should have. Scientists can't find Somebody the G else- spot. <laughs> Oh, that was such a good one, Anna. That should like be <laughs> no. in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame of birds. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're a scientist. I'm sure you can find a G-spot just fine. <laughs> it's very individualized. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can study it out <laughs> through testing, through rigorous testing. So this is uh, about the g- general factors. <laughs> sorry, mom's losing her mind. <laughs> Sorry, that was so good. The general factor, the G factor yes. in 1904. Basically, people Way were, back in 1904, wow. I mean, the... Yeah. Yeah. We've been the, studying the, the smarts for a long time. Well, and this is at the same time as Alfred Binet was doing his thing. That was mm. 1905, so basically at the same time. So people were noticing that kids' grades across unrelated school subjects were similarly high. They thought that all mental performance could be distilled into one large general factor and that there could be attached to that a lot of smaller, narrower factors that were different kinds of, of tasks. So this is now part of a wider view on intelligence, and we'll, we'll get into that. There are a lot of tests that are used nowadays. The most common ones are the Weschler Adult Intelligence Scale for Adults, why is that in there twice? I literally copy and pasted that. So I didn't put that. That wasn't me. The, and the Department of Redundancy Department made that test. And then they have the Weschler Intelligence Scale for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the waste and the whisk scale is what uh-huh. we called it. That's what the professionals call that's it. That's what we had the, in, the, in, the biz, in the business. But the Stanford Binet... It's basically because we're too lazy to see all those words. Yeah, it's just a lot of syllables. We don't have time to say all those words because we have notes, syllable. we have assessments, we have treatment plans. Yeah. We got too much to do. You got the whisk, you got the whisk. Give me the whisk. <laughs> <laughs> but the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scale is also used. There's the Woodcock-Johnson Tests of Cognitive Abilities, the Kaufman assessment, assessment Battery for Children, the Cognitive Assessment System, and the Differential Ability Scales. There's a lot of assessments in the world, mm-hmm. is the bottom line. So the question here is, what's, what's even the point? What's the point of all this? And there's a lot of cause and effect stuff with the point of determining intelligence. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the cause, there is a lot of debate even still about the heritability of intelligence and, and how we get that from our parents. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to. Because, yeah, it, it means, like, do we get the smarts from our parents or does it matter in the environment we grew up in? So this was theorized, like I said, I mean, there were people even saying this, the, that it was hereditary and that it was related to how big your head was and stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it is kind of a nature-nurture thing because the numbers that people have come up with for heritability are, like, 
I hate numbers. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I wrote in my notes 0.45 for humans and 0.75 for adults. <laughs> you were tired when you I were doing these. I was very tired when I was doing these. <laughs> I assume that means for children. <laughs> human children. Human children. Yes, you're human children because I am a human. I have to specify. But you like those monkeys. I am so. a human. You like those little monkey monkeys. So, I mean, the question is, is it from the hereditary aspect or is it from smarter kids being raised by smarter parents? Right, exactly. And their environment is richer with with education in different ways. Right. Yeah. And now there's a lot of correlations, too, that IQ scores have been shown to be correlated with things like morbidity and mortality, parental social status, which is, yeah... That one makes sense Mm -hmm. because if you have more wealth at your disposal, you have more resources. Mm -hmm. And if you have more resources, you can be smarter. Not smarter, but in an IQ test smarter. To be more educated. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. a better way to say it. And there's a substantial degree of correlation with biological parental IQ. Now, if you know anything about statistics or research or anything, you will know. You, You can almost say it with me. Correlation does not equal causation. Mm-hmm. If you, you have heard that a billion times, if you've been in any psychology class. Mm-hmm. So what that means is just because there's a high correlation, just because the numbers match with these factors, mm-hmm. does not mean that one causes another. Right. It means that maybe they have a, a factor that affects both of them. Right. There's a lot of things that could change that. And what we use the results of IQ tests for are things like educational placement, Um, assessment of intellectual disability if it falls below those markers that I was talking about like on the lower end of the bell curve right and evaluating job applicants I've never had to take an IQ test for a job though Mm -mm. I don't know where you guess it depends on what kind of job it is you're going into NASA maybe NASA NASA in research contexts, uh, IQ scores have been studied as predictors of job performance and income and things like that so that's kind of looking at correlation and predictability as well so So can I tell you, can I, unless you would like to talk. (laughs) No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I figure, let me get through this theory and then. You're doing good. Thanks. I'm just sitting here enjoying my Baileys. She's got podcast. I've got podcast. She's had enough Baileys to want podcast (laughs) pressed up against her face. (laughs) It is a texture thing. (laughs) It is a sensory (laughs) thing happening over there. So just keep telling me stories. I'm good. Can I tell you about the Cattell Horn Carroll theory? Wow. The that's CHC a mouthful. theory. I know. There's just it's when all your researchers want like <laughs> like partner name placement. Exactly. <laughs> Put my name in there. So it started with a guy named Raymond Cattell in 1941 who proposed two different types of cognitive abilities. This is called the GFGC theory for fluid intelligence, so GF, and that's general fluid. Like, that's right. the that's where that G from the G factor, right. G spot, comes in. Right. So GF is fluid intelligence, and that is basically the ability to solve new problems by using reasoning and common right. sense, basically. Right. That's right. kind of how I read it. And then crystallized intelligence is GC, and that is right. kind of education-based. Right. And it was very dependent on experience and education so it's kind of like book smarts versus street smarts Mm -hmm. and and that was gfgc theory this theory was actually almost forgotten because this was in 1941 until his student john l horn revived it in 1966 although he argued that gf and gc were not the only two factors and that they were just part of a bigger kind of picture and he identified nine or ten broad categories wow yeah broad ability categories Mm -hmm. and then in 1993 john b carroll proposed the three stratum theory which is a hierarchy view of intelligence and has three levels so the bottom is like really specialized abilities so spelling ability um tasks basically this is a lot like what you're stepping into is leading very well into what i'm going to talk about good i'm glad it's gonna mm-hmm. dovetail it's gonna segue. i'm just gonna give it over it's to you whoosh, whoosh. and then the, the what's gonna what is whoosh, whoosh. sure great yeah that's, that's what it's gonna do the the second hierarchy level the middle i guess is broader abilities of which there were eight and then the top is the G-factor thing, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that theory where 
there's a single general ability factor that affects all mental performance. Mm -hmm. So with their powers combined, they had a hierarchy with the general factor at the top, and then under it are 10 broad abilities that are Mm. divided into 70 narrower abilities. Good lord. I will list them all now. (laughs) In alphabetical order. Alphabetical order. (laughs) Yeah. And then I will list them in order of importance, and then I will list them... (laughs) But yeah, it's stuff like, I mean, fluid crystallizing is in there. Quantitative reasoning is in there. Reading and writing ability. Mm -hmm. Short-term memory is in there. And then long-term memory. Visual and auditory processing. These are very weird categories. I think, like, speaking as a teacher, which I had been for many years, if I may. You asked a longer question. as a teacher at this point? Sure, you have permission. I think there was kind of a swing toward that side of the pendulum of, instead of just having the crystallized information, you know, like just Mm -hmm. having stated facts, giving students the ability to figure things out. Right to understand how to solve problems. And I think that's, I think that's been a big movement in education I, the last several years. I think years. that there's been a lot of crap about the um, Common Core stuff. Yeah. But I think that was the movement of the Common Core thing. Right, right. Where we're going to give kids a lot of different ways to solve this problem. So it's not just like a rote memorization So it's thing. not just one answer to the problem. You yeah. can figure it out in different ways, yeah. I'm not a big fan of core curriculum. However, I agree with you I that think, that was the I don't push get behind too, it. I don't want to get too soapboxy about core yeah, curriculum, yeah. but having it been married to a teacher while this, <laughs> while this was all going on, mm-hmm. having had many talks with my husband about this, I get the impression that Common Core is a really good idea, and it was just implemented really badly. That's a very good way to say it. So, yeah. The push behind it was good. Yeah. The thought the, behind the th- it was good. Yeah. Good intentions. Yeah. yeah. Bad That's ideas. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay. So, like you said, I'm going to, or like I said, I'm going to kind of segue into that same idea that IQ, that the thought of intelligence is not just, you want you want him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's your turn. I okay. get custody of podcast that. <laughs> When you're talking. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about a man named Howard Gardner, who wrote a book in 1983 called Frames of Mind, The Theory of Multiple Intelligences. That's a cool name. It is, isn't it? Good job, Howie. And so it's the whole idea of that this, this idea of general intelligence that we measure with IQ tests is not really, it doesn't really describe correctly how our intelligences work, you know, who we are as people and and where we have these intelligences. So Howard believed that we had, well, he started out by saying um, that we had, I believe seven, was it seven? I think so. No, eight. I'm so incorrect. Flippy flap through your notes notes. I'm going to flap. I have paper notes today. <laughs> and Anna gives me crap when I have paper notes. I didn't even bring my laptop today. I know. Did you notice that? I'm trying to be old school today. I, I know. I kind of so love it. So you will hear the shuffling of my shuffling papers, of papers and this thing, which oh, means good. that That's I'm good. straightening my papers. It's <laughs> really good. Okay. So he suggested that you know, we can't be limited by that IQ idea. And he says that there are basically eight intelligences, which I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. He also just a little later on suggested that there might even be a ninth that I'm going to tell you about up front that's called... (laughs) It's Pluto. Because it's my favorite. And it is kind of Pluto. (laughs) It's existentialist intelligence, which I think you would like, Anna. I like existentialism. you and I, we like that. I also like Pluto. (laughs) And we believe Pluto is a planet. I believe in (laughs) Pluto. I believe. It's stupid. I vote for Pluto. It's dumb. <laughs> Pluto is a planet, <laughs> damn it. Science is not a thing you can believe in or not. Scientists can't find the G-spot and they don't know that Pluto oh, is a no. planet. That is that where the G-spot is? It's on Pluto? It's on Pluto. That's why they can't find it. They can't it. find it. What Gardner was saying to us that while a person might be particularly strong in a specific area... We might have several of these. So so when I tell you about the intelligences, which I'm going to do now, cool. if you say to yourself, hmm, I'm that, I'm that, well, it's kind of like that spectrum thing that we always talk about. We always talk about that. Mm-hmm. That this is kind of like that, that you might say that you fall into several of these categories. But before I do that, I'm going to throw out a criticism. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. First a criticism? Yeah, I'm going to throw it out first. It's like the opposite of a compliment sandwich. I'm going to, I know. I'm just screwing up the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. It's an I'm, insult sandwich. I'm going to give you an insult. I'm going to say the good things. I'm going to insult enough, you Bailey's right at the end. 
I've had enough Baileys I don't give a crap <laughs> about how you're supposed to do about it. Howard's feelings. <laughs> Howard, take this. Take is he alive? What's when was this? That's a good question. Well, he wrote his book in 1983. You look him up and see if he's. I'm sure he's still alive because 1983. Okay, I'm gonna hack into the mainframe. <laughs> Watch out, NASA. We're coming for you. <laughs> I didn't pass your IQ test, so I'm going to hack into the mainframe. So the biggest criticism for this theory is that it's... Yeah, he's alive. He's cool. Oh, he's cool. He's, he's hanging out listening he's 70, to our podcast. He's 76. Oh, Howie? He's, if you're Howie, listening to this. dude, call. Come no. on our show. <laughs> Come on our show. <laughs> if we keep inviting people, eventually someone's going to agree to Hey, it. probability says yeah. That's what I say. Um, Who's who my arch nemesis from Stanford? He didn't come on the show. No. The no. prison experiment guy. But you called him out too. I did. And we also invited Satir. Is she alive? I Zimbardo. think she Zimbardo. Zimbardo. Oh, yeah. He needs to come on here. He needs to come on here and defend himself because we're kind of mean toward him. We're kind of mean. Okay. I'm going back to criticism. No, I mean, I do that. Virginia, Virginia passed. Okay. Yeah. She's in heaven. We know she's. Come on the show. We'll get a Ouija board. <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> We're going to talk to people in heaven. I got a long list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the biggest criticism for him is that this is just too broad and that actually the eight different intelligences are more like just talents and personality traits. And it's kind of true. I got to admit. But yet. I th- well, I think. Okay. Keep, there's, keep there, talking. There's I, will, an, I will put you on criticism. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that. Put a pin in my criticism. Okay. And as we often say when we talk about these kind of things, there's not a lot of empirical research. <laughs> Do we say that a lot? I don't know if we say that a lot. Not a lot of empirical research to support this. So empirical research just means like. However, I will throw in that many, many educators really dig this theory. Sure. Okay, because if you've ever worked in a classroom, if you've ever been a teacher or an educator, you know that kids don't learn the same way. Kids do not learn the same way, and not all kids are going to do well on those diddly dad burn standardized test standardized test right i i mean i think that even if it's not a empirically tested theory it's a good way to conceptualize it Mm -hmm. so i like it as a humanist i dig this okay okay so here they are i'm gonna list them the first one is visual spatial intelligence and these are people who are strong obviously and visual spatial intelligence means that you can visualize things very easily i'm a visual learner they're good at directions i'm not good at that as well as maps, charts, videos, pictures, you would be good at that. You I, are kind of visual. I've become more of a directions person since. So Nathan, mm. my husband and I went on a road trip honeymoon, and I was the driver for most of it because I'm a control freak. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, honey, <laughs> but I I like have become better at directions since then. Really? So, yeah. Well, I don't know what happened. Something clicked. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So people that have this kind of intelligence are good at putting puzzles together. They're good at looking at pictures and graphs. Uh, Enjoys drawing, painting, visual arts. That's definitely you, Anna. Recognizes patterns. Some of the potential career choices for this type of person would be an architect or an artist or an engineer. So that's visual spatial. The second one is linguistic. This is where I talk about the spectrum because when I think about you, Anna, I think about you really being artistic but i also know linguistic as you you are your speech see that's okay i'm gonna take my pin out of my criticism now okay because i file those in the same area really i file Hmm. those in creative Hmm. intelligence ah so it's a whole different title that you're giving it yeah yeah so whoever thought of the theory first got to name it so sorry anna somebody already named him you could make up your own it's gonna be different you can make up your Make up your own list. And actually, as we get to the end of the list, you will hear that that's kind of what's been happening is that people are criticizing and going like, hey, dude, we should have put these two together. Okay. like, make your own stupid theory. (laughs) Yeah. Then you do the work. (laughs) You do it. (laughs) So linguistic verbal obviously is a person who is good at remembering written and spoken information. They enjoy reading and writing and they're good at debating or giving persuasive speeches. They're able to explain things well. They often use... spoken. Yes, they often use humor when telling stories. Does that See, sound that's, familiar? Yeah, it sounds like you. So, but, so, and if it sounds like me, it sounds like you. Hereditary. <laughs> because, like, especially if we're talking about in the educational aspect, uh-huh. I think people, there's, I, I don't know how much overlap there is between people who are good at remembering things written and remembering spoken. Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't those two different types of, like, learning? Yes, and so this this kind of goes back to Anna and I were talking about 
um, before we started recording the episode that there are self-assessments out there that you can kind of look up your own and try to figure out where your uh, intelligences lie. And when I did it, I was very, like all of my intelligences were like right at the same level except for one. One stood out. But all the rest of them, well, there was a second one where it was a little higher, but most of them were very very equal and that's why I think that overlap is because when you say the creativity thing right because you can but then you know some people could be very creative in writing and not be able to draw anything that's me I can't draw a stick person creatively but I think I'm a pretty good writer Mm-hmm. So they're both creative. Like creative it's just a different writing? kind. I mean, like creating something from whole cloth is that's a type of intelligence. Right. I think right. that's true. Imagination intelligence. Imagination <laughs> has to Thank have a you, rainbow. SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The third kind of intelligent is logical, mathematical intelligence or reason. And I, I thought of my um, husband, who is now in heaven with Satir. Uh, they're probably they're probably having a group session right now she is holding his hand (laughs) bob would be okay with that he would be like okay that's all right it might a little yes if you pour that in there Mm -hmm. anna's pouring peach schnapps onto a little bit of bailey's to see if it congeals and turns into it's not a scientific test i'm doing i just didn't want to clean out the glass it's fine looks kind of like alka-seltzer okay we're talking about logical things here anna Sorry. Logical and mathematical people who are strong in those areas. <laughs> it's funny because I got this from a source that's, it says characteristics of logical mathematical intelligence include excellent. What? <laughs> that's the first bullet. They're the best. Excellent. They're End like, of story. They, period. They rule the world. Full stop. <laughs> enjoy, they enjoy thinking about abstract ideas. Excellent. Um, <laughs> excellent. They like conducting scientific experiments like hey, trying to find the G spot. Pro tip. If anyone's <laughs> updating their resume and need to write qualities, <laughs> use excellent. It's a Just good one. put it in there as a whole bullet point. Qualities. Excellent. <laughs> Moving on. Next question. <laughs> so these people are good uh, scientists or mathematicians or computer programmer, which my husband was, yep. uh, engineers and accountants. So, you know, though, I struggle a little bit with the idea that logical mathematical intelligence is the same as reason because I can speak for my dearly departed husband, <laughs> who was literally a genius. Literally a genius. Because in- he was incredibly invited intelligent. into Mensa. However, when it came to reason... His common reason, sense was a bit yeah, lacking. Yeah, the common sense was not always there. His crystallized intelligence <laughs> was there. His fluid was not so much. Exactly. And that is something, too, that we have uh, perhaps noted, is that sometimes people who are extremely intelligent struggle a little bit with just everyday common sense. Yeah, I mean, I think... They're too I, lofty. I don't, I don't... The more I read about that crystallized and fluid intelligence, the more I was like, yeah. Oh, I mean, that totally that, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that, that rung true with yeah. me, I guess. Rung true? Have you never heard that before? Mom gave me a look like she had never that heard that rung before. Rung is a word. Is that a real? Is that a real rung? tense? It rung. It, I I don't it know. Has if it's rang. Rang. Rang it ringed. Rung. I don't know. It, it did ring. Oh damn it! <laughs> look that up. Google that for me. While I tell you that. I hacked the mainframe. <laughs> There's a lot of hacking into the mainframe today. Hey, <laughs> everyone, go to hackertyper.com. It's really good. Okay, the fourth intelligence is bodily kinesthetic oh, intelligence. Damn it, they're talking about which, participles. Okay, I'm not going to listen to you at all for like a second. <laughs> okay, so this is motor skills, sipsters, because Anna's not listening to me. So this is like when your intelligence has a lot to do with your physical movement or your motor control. So like you're really good at dancing or you're a jock and you're really good at sports. That's an intelligence type. Um, you enjoy creating things with your hands. Uh, your excellent physical coordination. Excellent. Excellent again. I Te- was wrong. It was rang, by the way. Okay. It rang true with me. Thank but you. But wrong is a, is a tense. It's just a past participle tense. So a you participle have to say has or have with it. <laughs> That's like hang or hung. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, or hang, Were you hung? Hanged. Are hanged. you hung? <laughs> Okay, um, bodily kinesthetic includes people that might be dancers, but it can also go the other way that like you're um, a carpenter or a builder or a sculptor. It's really a broad range because it's not just like sports and dance and that kind it's of just body. Doing things with but your... it's yeah, using your body to do something. So it could be building something. See well, these sculpting, actions. 
Yeah. Overlaps with... See, we're in the overlapping again. Okay, five is musical. And by the way, when I took my personal assessment, this was my highest score, which is bizarre to me. I think it's very bizarre. Musical intelligence is, in another word, musicality. Oh. I have high musicality. <laughs> Does so, that mean when you were in school, those like musical mnemonics really mm-hmm. stuck with you? Absolutely. That's how I learned everything. I made yeah. a song out of it. That's exactly what it says, too, in this kind of intelligence. Enjoys singing and playing musical instruments, recognizes musical patterns and tones, good at remembering songs and melodies, and that when we want to remember something, the best way to remember it is to put it into a song, baby. Like that quadratic formula song. I learned all about the like the adverbs and the verbs and all those songs. Oh, and the bill. The bill that's on the hill, that song. <laughs> I can't remember it right now at all, which disproves my point. (laughs) (laughs) So it says that I should be a musician or a composer or a singer or a music teacher or a conductor. I have none of those things. You're a musician. I'm kind of sort of a musician, but not for pay. Well, Well, once in a while I get paid. Once in a while I get paid. Okay. The sixth kind of intelligence is interpersonal. I-N-T-E-R. This is social skills, which was actually my second highest score. That's not surprising. Because I'm a social butterfly. <laughs> see how musical she's being today? She's see. trying to prove it. <laughs> I know. I, I have to I have to embrace that part of Her me. Her street cred. <laughs> okay. So if you have strong interpersonal intelligence, it means that uh, you're good at being social, dude. You are the hit of the party. You're good at communicating verbally. You are skilled at communicating. You are skilled at... Um, getting other people to understand things by right. telling them about it. So like being a teacher. Good at resolving conflict in groups especially. Create positive relationships with others. Oh, here's the career choices. Ding, ding, ding. Psychologist. <laughs> oh, man. Philosopher. Counselor. Double Do ding. Do you? Ding, ding. What was the site you used for your Politician. Uh, test assessment? Um, here it is right here. I'll hand it Flippy to you. Flippy flappy. Okay. While I'm continuing to converse with it's my sipsters. Russell Crowe's. Nope. <laughs> it's Russell. <laughs> oh, baby. Russell Rowe. I always go to Russell Crowe whenever it's, it's I'm in need of. exactly like <laughs> Russell Crowe, but without the C. <laughs> but if you're in doubt, go to <laughs> Russell Crowe because it'll make you feel fine. <laughs> Russell, Russell Rowe's Healthy and Happy Wellness Services. Happy, happy. Multiple intelligences self-assessment if you would like to take it for yourself. Self. Mm-hmm. Can you you go to it and you should take it right now? See who you are. Well, no, you don't have to right now. Healthy and I'm almost happy. done. Seven is intrapersonal for you introverts. I N T R A. And those people are very good at introspection, self-reflection. Um, <laughs> that kind of sounds this like is a start rap. of a slam poem. <laughs> introspection, self-reflection. See, that's my musical thing. <laughs> Snaps for mom. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, So you're good at analyzing your own strengths and weaknesses. You enjoy analyzing theories and ideas. Excellent self-awareness. Excellent. That's this guy's word. (laughs) Excellent self-awareness. Excellent. That reminds me of the principal at your high school that everything was like. Oh my God. There's so many. Okay. We're just going (laughs) to. Outstanding. Yeah, there's a lot. Outstanding. So if you're good at intrapersonal, then you're a philosopher or a writer or a theorist or a scientist. The last one, number eight, was the one that I scored the absolute lowest on. And I mean significantly (laughs) lower. And that's the naturalistic intelligence. Yes. Mom's never been outside. I don't know the out of doors. (laughs) Which is dumb because, like, I mow the grass and stuff. I go out there. I just don't like stay <laughs> I out. I go there. outside. She says defensively. <laughs> I walk to my car to go to work. <laughs> that counts. I ride my lawnmower yeah, and go really fast to the yard. <laughs> so actually, this was his obviously his his last edition before he added on that existentialism at the very very end. But um, these kind of people are interested in duh. Botany, biology, and zoology. You're good at categorizing and catalyzing. 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 Cataloging information. Sorry, it's been a long podcast. Um, Episode. Get this. It's actually been a long podcast. (laughs) 41 (laughs) episodes. (laughs) Oh, that's one of those times I should have used episode. Okay. Uh, (laughs) 
I'm Sorry, learned. my verbal intelligence is very loud. <laughs> Linguistic is not one of my top three. <laughs> You may enjoy camping, gardening, hiking, and exploring the outdoors. But see, to okay, who like to that's me, not me though. This is kinetic. That's kinetic. Well, you could just go out there and sit. You don't have to. <laughs> well, hiking is definitely kinetic, <laughs> right? You just but you lay just... in the grass and let the moss <laughs> overcome you. you. Let let the ladybug nature reclaim fly. you, like Hozier would have wanted. <laughs> so. If, in fact, you are a naturalistic person, then you might be a biologist, a a con man. You're a con man. No one likes nature. A conservationalist. What does that mean? What do you do? A conservationalist. Sorry, I lost it for just a moment. Or you might be a gardener or a farmer, for God's sake. You could be a <laughs> farmer, farmer, for God's sake. Do we some farming, for God's sake. Eat some farmers, because they produce our food, and I, I appreciate farmers. I like food. I do. I love food. Okay, so last but not least, I'm almost done, I promise, okay. is that toward the end of his research at that point in time, in 1999, that's where we are now. He started in 1983. It's a good year. 1999, he said, oops, I think we should. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think After we should. After 16 years. <laughs> whoops. I think we should actually have some kind of spiritual thing in here. Oh. Which, honestly, I think if I would have been, if that would have been in the assessment, I would higher. hope that my, that might have been my highest. But maybe not. I don't know. He did not want to call it spiritual. He was. He had an aversion to that, I so he that called in, it existential. In, I would put it in intrapersonal. I mean, spiritual is very internal, self-reflecting. Mm, no. Yes and no, because I mean, you can you can you can reflect inward about how your faith is, mm-hmm. but it's very much about uh, spiritualities out there. You know, like God. For me personally, it's out there. God is is out there and very powerful. I mean, yes, I have a relationship with him in here, but he's definitely out there powerful. Hmm. So that I would, I, under, I understand what you're saying. And again, it goes back to that crossing over thing. Yeah. All the way to 2016, f- moving forward, all the way to 2016. Wow. Gardner was doing an interview. <laughs> he said, whoops, because it had been 16 <laughs> he said, years. Oops, again. <laughs> whoops. Every 16 years, he says, like- oops. <laughs> Every 16 years, you have a little whoopsie, and you have to reevaluate. He now, in 2016, was considering, but has not yet formalized this, um, about adding a teaching intelligence, which allows us to be able to teach successfully other people, which indeed crosses over. Isn't that an interpersonal? But again... It was, like, specifically listed. So this goes into, like, kind of that idea that you could make a category for everything we do well that's where that like one the one that i talked about the chc one had like 70 70 exactly there (laughs) could be so many narrow abilities right in the same interview when gardner was talking in 2016 he was kind of challenged that perhaps some people say that there's intelligences that could be called humor cooking and sexual intelligence. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's your sex IQ, back, baby? Back up the truck. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. So he did not get on board for those. But he, he did admit. The sex No, he did not want to talk about sex or humor or, or cooking. cooking. <laughs> That's where he draws the line. I will. Um, I will talk about sports and nature all day. <laughs> but cooking and sex. And there have even been some arguments saying we should have a whole new intelligence that has to do with technology. Because now that we're in this age of technology and the digital age, so to speak, that there's a whole separate intelligence about that. So that, I think, very significantly shows us that it really is kind of a giftedness. It's not so much an intelligence as it is a talent or a giftedness. I like that word. Whatever clicks with you, I guess. It goes back to what you and I talked about, the difference of like a connotation or denotation of a word. And when we say the word intelligence... What do you think of? Right. Yeah, I think most people think of book smarts. Right. Basically. Right. What did you score on that test? What did you score? What's your education level? Right. I think it's very highly associated with it. Which isn't fair. Because like I said, like if you have more resources, you can probably go to a better school and you can go get more degrees. And that doesn't necessarily... Tell how smart you are. That's right. My daughter drags her feet. My daughter Anna Marie, who's sitting like across, when I walk. Wait, across this is a- the table. <laughs> My daughter is not dragging her feet across the table. 
No, she drags her feet when I tell her that she's a genius. But she's a genius. Because I truly don't think I am. But when we took our mat tests. Oh, my God. I'm going there. You can just, just don't roll your eyes at me. I'm your mother. <laughs> you didn't roll your eyes. I don't eyes. think I've ever rolled my no, eyes No, I was going to say that wasn't, it's more of a glare. You are lying to our guests <laughs> again. She just keeps saying that, but I'm not. <laughs> Because to get into grad school, we had to take a math test. The Miller, it's called the Miller's analogy test. And it's, if you know what an analogy is, it's just those. It's like it's A to B is to, like A is to B as C is to D. Right. Like it's those, but it's just a billion of them. To me, it's so about many reason. Of them. That's a reason thing. Well, me too. That's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's figuring Logic. it out. Mm-hmm. And Anna scored to the point where the way that they equate the MAT test to a standardized IQ test, it would say that she is a genius level. It it was like, oh yeah, you could be in Mensa if you scored yes. above this. That's stupid. It's not. See, only really <laughs> smart people say that. <laughs> I don't think that's true. No, I, I don't. I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, I, I told mom this before we started recording. I've been watching Jeopardy with my husband. That's smart to me. He can answer every single one of those questions. I mean, my husband is a genius. And he is. Yes, I agree. And I, I'm i like, golf? Is golf? Is it golf I know thing? how to use my golf voice. Is it voice? a golf thing? <laughs> I'll be like, it's, and I was in Quiz Bowl when I was a kid. And I would always answer like two every game. And it would be like potpourri questions. Like when I said potpourri, what that means is like, like, totally off the wall like miscellaneous answers of everything i think i answered a question about like you're a good man charlie brown once in a tournament and everyone was like anna that was so good and i'm like it was the only time i've spoken (laughs) you guys were talking about geography and math and i was like charlie brown (laughs) my point though is that i think that it's important for us to embrace our own intelligence whatever yeah. that is well that's what i mean part I, of I think i have a high interpersonal intelligence mm-hmm. i think i have a pretty high creative intelligence what i'm gonna say is creative intelligence just kind of those in general i don't think i have a high book smart intelligence I, like I, I that's not how i see myself but I think everyone is smart in their own way. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who come in and, and say they're not. I'm not saying I'm not smart. I'm, not, I'm saying I'm not a genius because to me that has a connotation of being very book smart. And I don't think I am. But I think everyone who I come across has their own level of intelligence and can teach me something. Ooh, that's a good way to look at like, it. Like I can learn something from everyone I meet. And to me that is intelligence mom's on her phone and i'm really (laughs) ignoring the like no i deep shit i'm spewing right now thinking was that i am spitting some deep shit and she's texting someone i'm texting my fan club (laughs) (laughs) lol she says on twitter my daughter is (laughs) my daughter is is talking some stupid shit no what i was actually thinking you think I wasn't thinking while I was doing that, but I was. What I was thinking was that's very existential. Okay. And I was also trying. And also she's trying to beat that candy crush level. With <laughs> I was trying to Google and I cannot do it on my little dinky ass phone. What do you need to look up? What who's do you need the, me to who's Google? Who's the person who said the thing about the fish climbing the tree? Albert, I- if, it, Albert it's Einstein. A, it's attributed to Albert Einstein. I think it's apocryphal. You are so good with big words. <laughs> Apocryphal? Is that like the apostles? It just, no. The people that follow <laughs> it, Jesus? It just means that it probably isn't isn't, real. isn't him. I like it, it though. Yeah, that's a new sound. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's Oh, your phone. My phone was trying to your go through phone. the wire. <laughs> My phone was like, I will send you a message. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have the internet help us with this candy crush level. <laughs> You're hard on me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for me to live up to your expectations. I'm just doing the best I can, being your mom. I know, it's so hard, so hard to be my mom. And the older you get and the smarter you get, it is hard work. Because on that stupid ass test that Anna took... I was one freaking point away from... The benchmark is like th- four, 
35 and she at like 434. It's stupid. Yeah. See, you should be yeah. in there. I'm, if I'm a genius, you're a genius. So let's put it that way. <laughs> no, because I missed it by one freaking no, point. That's, one point. That's ridiculous. The story of my life. <laughs> you could have misclicked. You could have. I mean, like, that is a. That's, I just accidentally that's what I mean. leaned if on the button. If we're talking about intelligence tests. I think any one intelligence test is not going to give you what you need to know about your own intelligence. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's looking at it at it's so it's so it's, oversimplifying. It's so it. tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so if you've ever had an experience with a standardized test or whatever that you feel like you got put in a category and you feel like that's defining who you are, like, well, I'm not that smart because I got this score on a test, or or I could never beat Jeopardy or whatever. You need to remember that that's a very limited view of your intelligence. Your intelligence is so much more than that. It's all about who you are. And that's part of that self-awareness thing that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going deep and you're on your computer. So that's fair. Did you find the fish thing? Yeah. It says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Mm-hmm. It probably is not an Albert Einstein quote, but it's attributed to Albert Einstein. This really cool poster. But I really, I totally, as a past educator and now as a counselor, I totally agree with that. If we just put people into categories into because boxes. of, yeah. Well, again, I mean, it's what we talked about like a couple episodes ago in our cross-dressing episode, actually, which is just how people see themselves and how they identify is important. Mm-hmm. And like, you can take that, what's your highest intelligence type all you want, and like you got music, but that's mm-hmm. not what you're doing with your life. I mean, you are doing things with music, but you're not doing that as a career. Right. Because that's not what you want to do as a career. And that's what's important. Right. Like you get to choose. You, you still get to choose what you do with your life. Mm-hmm. So don't let anyone else or don't let a stupid test tell you what you should do. Exactly. It's all about choice, which goes back to the existential thing. Yes. It's all about choice. Can I tell you about some smart people? Please do. Because I wrote smark in my notes. Smark. <laughs> Some smark people. I'm going to remind everyone here that only about 2.5% of the population scores above 130 as an IQ. I yeah. don't know what my IQ is. I've never taken an IQ test. Stop pointing at me. No, but I know you would be above that. Go on. I'm going to make this little mini game, actually. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw out a name, and you're going to tell me what you think their IQ is. Oh, Lord. Yeah. James Franco. 130. Wow, good job. Did you look that up? I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was like, shit, she's going to be really good at this game. <laughs> no, because that really struck me. Because he kind of comes across like a dumb guy. Yeah, he kind of is a doof. Yeah. Like yeah. He, his, he plays his, a doof. Yeah, he plays a doof. But well, he, he good. graduated from like five places. Did you see that? He's a PhD student at Yale. Yeah, he's oh. kind of cute too. I have to admit. <laughs> that he's cute. has a lot to do with your intelligence. <laughs> At UCLA, he took 62 credits in one semester. Holy crap. That's is that so even legal? Can you even do the that? The normal limit is 19. I don't know I how he slid say. by. I think I took like 18 most yeah. of my semesters, and yeah. I felt like I was overloaded. Yeah. What was he doing? How now, would you even fit that all in? I, that's when, that's my question. Because I, like you, one of my my semesters, I did 21, but I had to get special permission to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, you usually do. Yeah. I had a lot I mean of, how and I was full I, I had was, a lot of friends who were in music education who had like 24 credits a mm-hmm. semester but they wow. were like orchestras and like ensembles counted as a credit. Mm-hmm. So when they would do that stuff but it was like after school stuff. So we just had like how a lab every single in night. A 60. I don't get it. Okay. Natalie Portman. Remind me who she is. She was in the Star Wars prequels? She's been in a lot oh, of stuff. Oh yeah, okay. I'm going to give her mm, 138. 140. Very close. Oh, okay. She's hella smart. She's got a psychology degree from Harvard. Oh my gosh. She, she could be to- Frasier. <laughs> That's all you need. You need, a psych- you need a bachelor's in psychology from Harvard to be Frasier. You hear that, Frasier? She went to grad courses at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, was wow. a research assistant at Harvard. She's been published in scientific journals. She speaks more than five languages. Oh, my god! I'm saying more than five. I know I should just say six, but I, I, <laughs> some sources said five and some sources said six, so I wasn't uh. sure what to say. Oh, I put this in, one in for you. Mayim Bialik. She, oh, yeah, she's Amy. Sure. On Big Bang. She's on the Big Bang Theory. Right. Big Bang. <laughs> She's really smart. I want to say mm, 145. 
150 to 163. Holy crap. Sources varied. She has a PhD in neuroscience from UCLA. That is so cool. She's an actual neuroscientist. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Conan O'Brien. That one shocked me. I saw that one, but I can't remember what it was. It's really I want to say high. he was 150. 160. Holy crap. I know. You know, isn't that amazing that those really, because I saw Steve Martin too. He's yeah, really high. Yeah, I don't remember what he was too. Yeah, but he had really high. Uh, but like really goofy people I are know. really high. I think that's significant though. It makes you so smart that you can just be like, whatever. I don't know. Well, I think the reason we think those people are smart is because they're inte- like their humor is intelligent. Like Conan, I think Stephen Colbert, I think that those like late night host type of people mm-hmm. are often like quippy smart. Right. And that right. takes a certain level of intelligence. These three have the same. So I'm just grouping them together because they're, they're sort of similar in my brain. Madonna, Kesha, and Shakira. Holy cow. Um, I'm going to stay at 150. 140? Ah. But still, yeah, like... 140 for Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. I know. Matt Damon. Oh, he's so cute. Mom, you're he so doesn't. thirsty today. <laughs> he doesn't need an IQ. <laughs> he doesn't need to be smart. He just needs to look good. Mom, that is so Sorry. sexist. Sorry, where am I? Where am I? Who am I Mom, talking? Bring it back. Uh, one... I'm going to go high. I'm going to go 160. On the money. Snaps He's for mom. And He's smart. smart. <laughs> he wrote uh, The Goodwill Hunting Draft as a writing assignment at Harvard. Oh my gosh. I just watched that movie the other God, day. That's a good movie. But if one more client says they want a Goodwill Hunting moment from me, I'm going to throw my my window. <laughs> <laughs> too high. The expectations are too high. Um, Rowan Atkinson. Do you know who that is? No. Mr. Bean? Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's on this list. You are not gonna. You are not gonna get I this right. I won't believe it. I guarantee. Because I would say mm, one thirty-five, one seventy-eight. Oh my god! <laughs> That's why his face is kind of puckered. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding in all his brains all the time. Oh my gosh! That's amazing. And now, okay, I don't know the. Ver- I don't like. All of these articles that I was looking at to get these are like sources say yeah. their IQ is da da da. Mm. I don't know where they're getting that. So this he is all could just, have been like tweeting. He's like, he's like, <laughs> guess what? Did my you IQ hear is? that Rowan Atkinson has an IQ? <laughs> Lisa Kudrow and Ashton Kutcher have the same. Uh huh, and it's high. Um, one, one fifty, one sixty. Wow. I I know. And they both play doofuses at times. Exactly. Like it's it especially hit me with Lisa Kudrow. She always plays that real ditzy, yeah, real ditzy. spacey on Friends. Oh my gosh, she was mm. so ditzy. Now, this is interesting because I did look up, like, historical figures. Uh-huh. And they did have IQ information for some historical figures. And that doesn't make sense because... They couldn't have taken the yeah, IQ test. So yeah, so I think it's just, like, a projection of yeah. what their IQ might have been. What do you think the projected IQ of Cleopatra was? Oh, my. 140. 180. Holy crap! She was fluent in five languages. She was a powerful broad. <laughs> yeah. This picture of her... Look at this. Because you know Albert Maybe Einstein a bit gay wasn't for really like a that... second. Wow, hot, right? She is hot. Okay, yes, hot and smart. Like she wants that's to murder someone. Like that's hot. hot and smart. Um, <laughs> the murdering thing is not so hot for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, murdering your eyes. <laughs> I think she had power in her eyes. Power, power is kind of sexy. Murderous power. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little worried that you keep going back to the murder <laughs> thing. Uh, Galileo, Galilei. Galileo, Galileo. Oh, he would be really high, wouldn't he? 160. 180. Holy cow. To 200 is projected. Holy cow. Yeah, man. Yeah, that makes... But then, but then, okay, so Albert Einstein wasn't that high, comparatively. What was his? I don't remember, but I think it was like 140. It wasn't really very high. Because I looked it up thinking he'd be like super-de-duper high. His IQ... I, I, Albert Einstein's it? on this list. His IQ was estimated to be somewhere between 160 and 190. Oh, Okay. Well, and that's that's what I mean. Like it's that's a projection. Really high, yeah. So Shakespeare, they give Shakespeare an approximate IQ of two ten. Oh come on! No, they don't. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he was really smart. I mean, he was he, really smart, but I don't think he was that. Did smart. a lot of social commentary, but yeah. he did a lot of dick jokes too. He was socially smart. He was socially very smart. He yes. had that interpersonal thing mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what Arnold Schwarzenegger's IQ is? He's on a list of high IQs. I mean, uh, he's not that high, but he's one, high. 140. 135. All right. He's higher than Jodie Foster, 
who I would think Jodie Foster would be like mega smart. She does strike me as very smart. She comes across as smart. One thirty. She? She's one thirty. Yeah. Huh. Sharon Stone. Oh, I saw her on some of my lists. She's like one forty, right? One fifty four. God. I know. Sexy and smart. Yeah, beauty and brains. Exactly. Get it. The Ashton Kutcher thing really got me, though. <laughs> well, again, because he, he, he plays that doofus. Yeah, he plays doofus. Well, and you know that that boy on Modern Family? I mean, he grew up a Modern mm-hmm. Family. Nolan Gould, I think, is his last name. Nolan is his oh, first name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cute. He plays Luke. Yeah. 150. Wow, that didn't surprise me. Isn't that weird, though? Because like, he plays that real he goofy He does. Guy. He plays a real dummy. yeah. yeah. I think it's easier for a smart person to play a dumb person than for a dumb person to play a smart person. <laughs> That's Let's absolutely that true. Way. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So intelligence. Intelligence, man. It's what you make it, I think. It is. In the scientific community, we say that it is measurable. However, in real life personal experience, it is a perception. You can be smart in many different ways. Absolutely. You can be multi. You got to find if you, you feel like you're not multi- smart, you just haven't found the way you're smart yet. Right. I like that. And that's part of self-awareness is finding out what your intelligences are yeah. so that you can uh, be the best person that you can be. Because you if you're can- like me and you're sitting watching Jeopardy with your significant other and you're like, oh God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you just, that's not the way you're smart. That's no, fine. No. Yeah. It's fine. That's exactly right. So embrace your own intelligences. Yes. I like it. I like it too. Do you want to do? You, who I would like to thank the people. I would like to thank the people okay. because I really am very appreciative. Because we are recording this episode in November, so we kind of goofed around and said that this is like gratitude month. Oh yes, appreciation month because October was Spookyville. So <laughs> every month is Spookyville for me. So we are very appreciative of our listeners, you sipsters that make this whole podcast work if we didn't have you we would not be doing what we do so thank you so much podcast pod possible absolutely so thank you for being with us and be sure to um, let us know that you're listening and give us any ideas or thoughts that you have yes and to do that you can use our social media it's freudian sips pod on twitter instagram facebook basically wherever you want to reach out to us please do interact with us let us know what you like let us know what you want to hear uh, let us know if you thought things were funny. We just like to hear from you. Uh, our site is FreudianSipsPod.com. You can find our episodes. You can find our merch link. Anything you want to find is on there. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. We're also on Patreon, FreudianSipsPod as well. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review. And as always, if you take a screenshot of that and then email it to us and give us your address, we we will send you a sticker. <laughs> a sticker. Anna gets very excited about I stickers. I love stickers so much. <laughs> I just took the plunge and put a sticker on my new laptop. I see that. It looks very it, good. It looks nice. But that was probably a big commitment. Like, I was like, I had to breathe through it. Yeah. <laughs> Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod. It sounds like this. Mm-hmm.